0: Happy birthday, Chris. The last time I saw you, you were 29 years old, and you've now crossed over into your 30s. Have you had any situations recently where you've
1: been starting to feel any older? So, I don't I don't feel older, okay? I don't feel older. But anytime someone says, you're 30 now, do you feel older? I think, I don't feel it. But thinking about it, my mind is weirded out by it, if that makes sense. I don't feel it. I feel exactly the same, which is good. And I understand how everyone who's older than me is always like, oh, I still feel young, right? Like, I I do too. I feel young, even though I'm not.
0: (laughs) Yes. In some ways, I definitely still feel like an adult child. But I think I had heartburn for the first time right around the week I turned 30. And I, I don't get it anymore. But I thought, like, am I having a heart attack? That is so funny. then I realized, oh, no, I'm just old now. Or I'll have situations where I'll go to sleep and the tiniest little bit of my blanket gets tucked, like, under my lower back. And I just wake up and it feels like I slept on the floor. (laughs) And I think, like, this is not how it should be. And I'm told it's just going to get worse. So I I just need to get better at tucking myself in it, I I guess. (laughs) But uh, now that we're both getting older, we have to start thinking like grownups, being adults. Uh, and luckily, AARP has us covered. Yeah, uh, they do. Right in time for the awards season, they've released the annual AARP Movies for Grownups Awards. Okay. <laughs> and there are some heavy hitters on this list. Can you think of any movies that might have been nominated, or even actors?
1: I, I, I'm I'm not the right person to ask about this. I'm thinking of people like Harrison Ford, right? And right, but he I don't even he's like. Really old now. Yeah, uh, I, and I like. I don't know.
0: I don't yeah. know. No, it's okay. I thought I'd ask. Uh, so the the best picture was, was
1: Killers of the Flower Moon. I that was in my head. I haven't seen that yet. Um yeah. I'm I'm like three quarters of the way through the book. And oh uh, yeah, you told me about that. And. I'm interested to watch the movie. That seemed like a movie that might be on the list, though. As I read the book, I think of my... Like, my grandpa would enjoy this book. Yes,
0: exactly. So, I directed by 81-year-old Martin Scorsese. Oh, wow, okay. And starring 80-year-old Robert De Niro. <laughs> is he and, really 80? That's yes, crazy. And next to everyone's name in this article that I was reading when they released it, had, they have the ages right next to them. So, you don't even have to go Google it. You just That's know, good. oh, this person's 81. Uh, so, another one I thought was kind of funny is that uh, Greta Gerwig... Uh, was too young to get Best Screenplay for Barbie because she's only forty, but her fifty-four-year-old husband was old enough, so he got nominated instead, <laughs> which is really sad. Because if you know anything about Greta Gerwig, she's always getting like snubbed for awards, and usually people assume it's because she's like the only female director. And this time it's because she's too young. Too young. But I don't think that makes it any better. No,
1: it's still the same. <laughs> I, I feel I feel
0: really bad for you, Greta. You're gonna get one eventually. <laughs> Uh, But this is where I started getting confused because of the whole, like, 40, 54, like, what decides. I thought, like, the AARP stood for the American Associations for Retired People. Mm -hmm. So then I had to read into this. And I guess back a few decades ago, they dropped the acronym. And the name just means AARP. And now they're just for anybody who's over 50. So I guess that is the cutoff that they decide. Because I was thinking, like, why would you have an award show for people who are retired but they're not retired they're working right like you should be wanting them to retire if that's your thing so yes so basically aarp just cares about people over 50 now and that's why greta wasn't eligible but in 10 years she will be hmm. so the last one i wanted to highlight is one of the tv awards they give out it's not just film it's also tv and the award for best reality series went hmm. to none other than the golden bachelor
1: oh, okay i i watched an ep i watched one episode of that how did that go <laughs> So here's the thing. I'm not opposed to The Bachelor, like Bachelor Nation, right? Sure, I've watched it in the past. I think Bachelor in Paradise is pretty interesting sometimes. Yeah. Um, And I really do think this show probably would have been entertaining. But we started it, like, there was only one episode. We watched the episode, and the next one wasn't ready yet. And I just haven't gone back. I don't regret not going back. But it wasn't bad, to be honest with you. I, I would have, I'm sure, related a little more if I was... AARP aged. Yes. Right. Sure. But it was interesting for sure. Yes.
0: So, for anyone who hasn't heard of the Golden Bachelor, it's basically just the bachelor, but the the guy is 70 and the girls are also around 70, I think. <laughs> and, uh, like, I, I learned the other day that after my great grandpa became a widower when he was in his 70s, I guess his favorite pastime was like dating women, <laughs> which makes <laughs> me think that, like, if only he was born a few decades earlier, he could have been the Golden Bachelor. He would have been the
1: perfect person.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, like, I guess I want to be clear. I don't mind watching old people act like we're having fun here but I mean like Amy and I watch only Murders in the Building which it stars Steve Barton Martin Short uh, this season had Meryl Streep on it these people were all deep into their 70s and like I don't mind watching old people act uh, but at the same time I feel like they've the AARP has accomplished their mission uh, where I guess 20 years ago they said like not enough young people are winning awards so we're going to make awards that only they can win to try to help raise awareness and they I was looking at the awards this year and they have this chart and it shows like number of old people winning awards and now (laughs) now they're just cleaning house so I I feel like even though the award show themselves is only 22 years old I think they've done their job and maybe they should consider retirement
1: (laughs) Welcome to the Factoid Podcast. You didn't ask for it, but we're going to tell you anyway. My name's Chris Humphreys. And I'm Peyton Gessel. I've been increasingly interested in finance content on YouTube for some reason. Okay, con? <laughs> is, that, is that what they call it? I, I don't, don't know. know.
0: I just know finance people sometimes abbreviate like Finance to Fin or I, I see it written that I way. believe
1: it. And I also, that sounds like a conference that I could go to and meet all these people at. <laughs> like, oh, you want a FinCon this year? Yeah.
0: Either that or like goldfish enthusiasts. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. That's right. For some reason, I've been getting increasingly interested in it. I've been watching all types of people. Dave Ramsey, I'm sure everyone knows who Dave Ramsey is pretty much. I watch him sometimes. He has the Ramsey show every day. I feel like an old person, but like I watch it. It's interesting. I There's see also... some money
0: under your mattress right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. There's also this guy, He's like. 20 Twenty-five-year-old kid. I, I say kid because I'm thirty now, right? But he's twenty-five years old. His name is Caleb Hammer, and he does this thing called financial audit. And these people sign up. So people sign up. He's 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 new. Like within the last year, he's kind of exploded a little bit on YouTube. Okay. And people sign up, and they'll like give him all of their information, like their checking account statements, their bank statements, their credit cards, their car loans, their house loans, everything they've got, their student loans, and he will just. Him and his team will just go through all of it with a fine tooth comb and see all of it, and then they'll come in and they'll he'll basically interview them about their finances and be like, "How how financially healthy do you feel? Like, do you feel like you're what out of one to ten? What do you think?" They're like, oh, "I think I'm blah blah," and then he'll just rip them apart. Because... I think I'm starting to sweat right now just thinking about this <laughs> because they're all most pretty much all the people on the show have been in some form of relatively not good debt, and yeah. he's saying he'll just be like like he like yells and it's super entertaining and i have just like really loved watching it and it's it's like helpful to know like how can i deal with my finances better i guess sure but also like can i be entertained by someone else being and his goal like his goal he has like a budgeting program his goal is like i want to get these people on the right track so that they don't like ruin their financial stability for the rest of their life, right? And it's mostly young people, there are some older people on the show too. It's really interesting though. All that to say, I've been falling deeper and deeper into the finance hole on YouTube. And uh I don't watch TikToks. I I make this clear to everyone. Uh it's cuz you're old. <laughs> it's cuz I'm old, but also I I watch YouTube shorts, okay? <laughs> like I, it's not any different, I, I realize. Bet-
0: I feel like I've, I've knocked the shorts in the past, but I am finding myself watching more and more
1: shorts. I watch shorts all the time. So it's not like I don't consume short form content. And pretty much what YouTube shorts is for the most part is just like copy paste from TikTok. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I'm basically watching TikTok. But I have, you know how, t- you know how TikTok and YouTube and all that works like they find out what you watch for more than a half a second yeah, and then you start getting more and more of it i've fallen into many holes over the past months uh but currently i'm in again it's finance related and i see all these videos of like there's interesting ones where it's like a car a guy who works at a car dealership saying going around to all the employees being like hey what car do you drive oh how much is your car payment and he goes to every employee and they ask and it's just kind of interesting um kind of mind-blowing too really uh but there's also ones that for some – like in a more educational way are interesting, right? Where they'll be like, how much money do you need to make to afford a $350,000 home in 2024? And then they'll break it down be like, this is the percentages you should be spending and this is how much you – don't listen to the bank. Listen to me. This is how much – you write, And this is interesting to me for some reason, right? Because everyone has their everyone has their numbers and like Dave Ramsey has his and Kayla Hamer has his of like how much do you put into what you put into? Like you make buckets and you have budgets right. and this percentage goes to this and whatever, right? I've also – somehow stumbled into another YouTube shorts rabbit hole uh private jets okay <laughs> don't I, I, I didn't even know it was a thing i didn't know there was a private jet rabbit hole but i'm hearing like podcast interviews with rich people who talk about private jet stories and i'm also hearing from this channel called I think it's called the jet business or the business jet guy or something. And he's just like this 60 year old, incredibly professional, like toned tan Italian looking man who like, you just hear his phone conversations with rich people being like, I want to buy a jet. I need it to be for six people. We go from Dallas to Fort w- to Dallas, fort worth to las vegas we go three times a week like what can you get me and he'll like t- and it's just interesting it's like this is a world that i didn't even know existed yeah do you know about the whole like jet rental business no not really i don't think
0: so yes and, and i'm not an expert on it either i know multiple people who work for these kinds of businesses so uh net jets is a big okay one. so i learned yes. a little
1: bit about this right and we're gonna talk we are gonna talk a little more about oh, this as we come in right because i i just decided for this i thought I'm gonna put together the two things that I have been stuck with, right? This is—I told Peyton this is different than than most of my factoids here, right? But I just thought I'm gonna give you guys Chris factoid version of how much money do you need to make to fly private, okay? <laughs> and so we're gonna break this down today, okay? Yeah, that's and great. So we're basing it off of a few things. I'm gonna go ahead and give you the things I decided to base it off of. I watch a lot of YouTube. I don't really watch TV. Same um, here, though. It's great. And I and I I watch a lot of like people who will do like tests between products and the only end of the video is them saying this is the best and it's it could be for no reason other than they're just like this one's funnier and so it's like a completely arbitrary like is this better so i want you to know that's what this is too okay because this is like a situation that's never happening right we're basing it off of this uh number one uh, you you have a job. It's for one person, a single person. You work from home and you don't travel, right? So that's, that, that's what we're talking about. Number two, you want to go on two vacations per year. One of them domestic in the United States. One of them going to be overseas and we're we're, i'm taking this from columbus ohio because that's where we live just for the sake of research purposes so you work from home you want to do two vacations per year i pick two vacations per year because the average person uh starting out at least or or maybe not too long after in a career has two weeks of paid vacation time give or take right hopefully if you work a job that takes care of you like they should you should have two weeks of vacation i hope so that's why i picked two i know this does not represent everyone but as i said this is a pretty much useless test right a useless experiment
0: but, but what what would this podcast be without useless that's right this it would perfect.
1: literally not exist yeah. that's why that's right so for the sake of the data we're going on two trips a year columbus to las vegas which is five hours one way so 10 hour round trip and then we're going to do columbus to glasgow scotland that's a 20 hour trip i picked glasgow scotland because uh, it's it's in the lyrics of a Lewis Capaldi song I like. I don't know anything about Scotland. I just thought, I know that's over there. So. Uh, yeah,
0: uh, I have not been to Glasgow, uh, but I know that the people who live there are called Glaswegians. That is the I term did not.
1: It. See, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But that. So this is a 10-hour, yes. one-way, 20-hour round-trip flight. Yes. Okay?
0: I will say one of the other things to know about people from Glasgow is they like to get drunk and then beat each other with the bottles of liquor that they drink, and uh, it like. Uh, so Buckfast is the is the big one that they're all obsessed with, and allegedly there is a hill called Bucky Hill, <laughs> informally in Glasgow, where everyone just like gets drunk and hits each other and gets into fights.
1: That see, I did not know about that. I know that there is definitely like a a culture that exists like that in Scotland a little bit. Yes,
0: it is. Glasgow is kind of the area where it gets the the hard time about that. Well,
1: that's good to know. That's good to know. And again, it's in a Lewis Capaldi song. I'm a big Lewis Capaldi fan. I think maybe he's from there. I don't really know, but that's why I picked that, okay? So one domestic flight, one international flight. We're taking two flights a year, and we're just going to go on two vacations a year, okay? And so for the sake of the vacations, for the sake of the cost breakdown, we are not going hard on these vacations okay and when i say that i mean we are going as low as possible i'm giving you a hundred dollars a day for a hotel fifty dollars a day for food okay so we're not we're not going to be living it up like crazy right sure so that's the base prices of our vacations right so that's going to go into these calculations as well i decided to figure out how much money i need to make in a year to fly private to make to justify that right and uh I decided we'd have to go through that by starting out with uh lower class flights, lower class, cheaper options. And for this sake, we're doing this, The the, like I said, every person has their own number system, right? But we're going to go with, uh, there's a thing called the 50, 30, 20, right? Yes. 50% is for your needs. Uh, 30% is for like savings retirement. 20% is for your wants. So we're going to go with that and then say that 10% total. So like half of your wants is going to be for your travel, right? Yeah. So you get 10% of your income to travel. That means flights and your $100 a day hotel and your $50 a day food. Okay. That's what we're going with. That's the numbers we're going with. So first economy class. Okay. Commercial economy class. You and I are familiar with this. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure most of you guys out there are probably familiar with this. If you've flown, this is generally how people fly. Okay. Okay. So if you go from Columbus to Vegas for one week, and I just picked random dates, we're going from March, March 11th to a week after, March 18th, there is a round-trip flight to, as of today for $77, oh, which nice. is insane, actually. That's a great price. It's yeah. on Spirit Airlines. Mm. You know, So this, of course, means that it includes absolutely nothing. Okay? You can take a backpack if it's a small one, uh, but $77 round-trip flight. That's cheaper than driving to Vegas, okay? Yeah. If you can get there and have the stuff you need, that's like a very, very good price. So $77, no luggage, no seat choice, not a comfortable seat. It is the great city bus in the sky and uh, guaranteed to have a mid-flight uh, credit card sales pitch to <laughs> you, okay? But that, that is the option, $77. It's the cheapest way to go. That's really interesting. I wasn't expecting it to be that cheap. Second one of the year, I picked September because I figured if you're only going on two, you want to split them out. You want to get your two cents worth out of all this. You want to get as much bang for your buck. So you're kind of just anticipating. You go, you anticipate, you go, right? So we're going to Glasgow, September, 10 hours each way. And I looked up, if you go, same, it's the same time in September, same flight there is no non-stop flights i was hoping to find a non-stop and i was just going to deal with the price difference right but there are no nonstops from columbus to glasgow because i guess nope. columbus isn't big enough right yep
0: you got to go through like dc like i think th- or i somewhere. think most of
1: the ones i saw went through like jfk or something yeah right um but uh, i was also pleasantly surprised to find that if you go for a week and i was doing tuesday to tuesday because i know tuesday's kind of a yep. cheap flight yes. day um 792 for a round trip oh that's pretty that's good that's not bad yeah i was surprised by that so 792 dollars but then I thought, who wants to... And that wasn't on Spirit even, okay? Because I don't, I don't know the Spirit flies over there, right?
0: I think, yeah. Like, I know Ryanair is, uh, is an
1: Irish one that's kind of... I think they're kind of like the Spirit of Europe, Okay, but I could be wrong. I, I'm pretty sure this was like Alaskan Airlines or something. Sure. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't, I, in my mind, Alaskan Airlines flies to Alaska, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I don't know. Uh, don't, don't quote me. I didn't write down who it was. But then I thought, okay, we know this. Th- I've flown this. I have never flown business class before. What if I want to go business class? Like, I know it costs more, but it can't be that much more, right? Well, I was wrong. It can be that much more. What comes with business class, you ask? That's a great question. Well, you get more leg room. You can recline, sometimes all the way down. Uh, oftentimes, you don't even have, you're not even sitting next to someone. It depends on the airline you're with. It could just be your seat in the window, and it's very comfortable. Um, you get... To go on first, you get to leave first, you get service from the flight attendants from the moment you sit down to the moment you get up, so like you don't gotta wait till you take off to get your beverages and your snacks. Oh, wow, you just get it all immediately. It is a really good perk. it's like a much big it's a much better upgrade, however, it should be based on how much it costs, so same flights as last time, same dates uh to Las Vegas from Columbus, it's one thousand fifty six dollars. I was like, okay, you know what again, less than I thought it would be, yeah. From 77, it's 10 times. It's more than 10 times more expensive. Yes. Um, but it would be a much better experience, I'm sure. Second flight, okay? Same time period in September, Glasgow. Uh, it's $5,110. Again, it, it's not as bad as I thought it might mm-hmm. be. $5,100 is a lot of money, okay? Uh, I'm never spending $5,100 on nope. any flight. Um, but if I'm going to be flying t- 10 hours, uh, and again, so like, you know, three hours, four hours, six, whatever, I, I'm gonna, it would be nice to do that um but i for me personally in my budgeting as i've been watching these finance channels i'm not i'm not going to allow myself to do this i actually can't do this but i'm not going to allow myself to do this so now we're going to get to the good stuff the stuff you've all been waiting for we talked about coach class we talked about business class now can we let's talk about private and this is where we're going to get into a little bit of what you said jet rentals call also known as chartering jet services right so there are two options if you want to fly private somewhere you can charter a jet or you can purchase one, right? And purchasing one also, just so you know, includes paying to store it somewhere and paying a crew of a pilot or usually two pilots and a flight attendant, right? And these people are basically on reserve all the time. So there, there's extra costs. Is
0: it? Are you paying for like a flight attendant service or do I get like the same
1: person every time? I think you can do both, but okay. I think you can just hire... A flight attendant. Like a lot of people will just be like, "I would like you to be my flight attendant." And when I call you, you come and be my flight attendant. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that, that'd be great. and there are rules with like how long, like how long of a break they need after so much flight and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, sure. So uh, first, we're going to talk about chartering a private jet. Well, what's the difference between business class and a private jet? You ask. I'm glad you asked. What a great question. Well, it, it, it's quite a bit of stuff. It's it's not quite as much of an upgrade, if honestly, as as economy to business class but it is uh you get a lot more freedom on your schedule they base their schedule when they go off of when you want to go you don't have to follow yeah. flight schedules you fly at a smaller airport so you don't have to worry about air traffic in the same way right uh second thing you can take more economical routes you don't have to like if something's going to take you 10 hours on a commercial jet it might only take you eight hours in this you can fly different ways interesting okay yeah uh and and might like different heights and whatever right there's stuff that i don't really understand about the science but they're very flexible in both of those ways um second benefit is it's incredibly private. Like, they're on a commercial jet. Even if you have your own little seat, there's people everywhere. This is like this is you and whoever's with you, whoever you allow to be with you, and the crew that you that you either hired or chartered. Right. That's all that's in there. So it's very private, very professional. This is what like big big companies people want to impress people. This is how they're going to pick you up. Right. Sure. This is how they're going to take you somewhere. Whatever food you want, they will cook for you. It's like. On demand, you get whatever you want. This is kind of like the ultimate luxury for someone. Yeah, no kidding. So, this is what private flying gets you. This is basically suited for like frequent travelers. So, the fact that we're doing this for two vacations a year, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I want you to understand that. This is for people who fly like weekly or whatever, right? Um, but we're going to talk about this as if we're going to use it because uh, anyone can do it. I looked it up. I did not call a company because I really didn't want to pretend that I was a wealthy person wanting to go somewhere. I looked up. Like I was like <laughs> I literally thought I was like, there might I wonder if we could swing like Columbus to Cleveland. Like what's that gonna? Yeah. It's like seven grand.
0: Oh no. Yeah.
1: So that that should give you a heads up of what's, what's coming here, right? So unsurprisingly, you can't just go to priceline.com uh or Google Flights to find a private charter. You have to talk to these companies like what you said. I think NetJet or whatever. Like there are these companies that will charter you one, right? You have to call them very specific because every single trip you make will depend very heavily on your details, what plane you take and how efficient that plane is, like all these things change, right? And the costs go up based on how big your plane goes. So like for a domestic flight like from Columbus to Vegas, you can fly on what's called like a light duty, like a light jet, because it's got enough fuel to get you there and it'll be light it'll hold less people right but in order to get over the atlantic ocean you have to fly what's called a minimum uh, what's a heavy jet right and there's ones above that and below all of that but like that has enough fuel and enough space to get you like that far right sure so the the prices vary for all of this but for a small quick domestic flight we're going to get a light jet pricing for a light jet trip to vegas same time frame same days okay let me guess okay round trip seventy two hundred Thirty thousand. Oh no, thirty thousand dollars. Okay, so I, I can't. I, di- I should have wrote it down because again, i we're going through all this useless information. Basically, I think for a light jet, it's like roughly six thousand dollars a flight hour, maybe f- five thousand dollars a flight hour or something like that. So we're talking at ten hours total. So no, it'd be three thousand dollars, and we don't hour. even own it yet. Yeah, you don't own it. You don't own it, but you can fly to Vegas on thirty k. That's your first, your small, your small vacation of the year. Okay, so next trip. Glasgow, Scotland, September time frame. Again, the, the time frames do make a difference and it's not, so if it's peak time, this is going to get even more expensive, but these are generic numbers. If it had a window, if, if it had like a range of price, I just kind of picked the middle. Yeah, sure. And so uh, for you need a heavy jet to go across the Atlantic to Glasgow and this is going to cost you a, uh, in the neighborhood of $120,000 for your round trip. And that's because it's going to cost you This is 20 hours. I think it's whatever that equals. I think it's like $7,000 per hour that you're there. And so that's charging you for like, it's for all that stuff. The people, the overhead of these, because this is a business, right? They have to own these jets. The businesses, the people, the planes, the fuel is like, I think the fuel just for a private jet, like nothing else is like, for like a heavy one is like four grand per hour is what it costs. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So 120K. So we're talking $150,000 total for you to fly private, to charter the jet, to for you two vacations a year. Now, realistically, I thought it would be less. When I got into researching, I thought it would be more. So I don't know what to think about that. I've never been on it. I don't know if it's worth it. It does not seem worth it for me, but that's just my personal opinion. Last option, purchase. Purchase a private Become jet. Become a jet. <laughs> purchase a private jet. And I've, this is, I've watched lots of videos. Again, when you when you watch these finance videos, you get into these like uber rich billionaire people talking about how to be good with your finances. Ugh. And they, of course, talk about stories how they buy these things for tax write whatever, right? All this stuff. Very, very interesting. But today, we're going to be talking about, well, let's purchase a jet, right? So if I'm just going to go all out for, I want to be the best I can for my two vacations a year. <laughs> Which again, I'm not sure anyone's buying a plane for two vacations a year. But you've got to purchase one big enough for your biggest trip, because you don't want to have two. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we have to buy the more expensive one, in order for us to make our more expensive trip, and so what I from my reading and from my watching the jet business guy, and from just reading about the options, the Gulfstream G five fifty seems to be our our choice. Was that on the wire cutter? The <laughs> <laughs> Gulfstream G five fifty. I'm pretty sure Elon Musk has a Gulfstream G five fifty. Interesting. Okay. Uh, and here's what's interesting about this one, and I kind of forgot to talk about this uh, before, but the plus, the plus of the private jet is. Whether it's one person or a max capacity of people, you pay the same price, right? Oh, okay, you don't okay. pay per ticket because you're, you're flying there. You're doing it anyway, right? Yeah. So like the, 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 uh, the small plane just to Vegas, it holds like six people. So you mm-hmm. could take five other people for your $30,000 price, which really does break it down, right? right. And for your $120,000 trip, you can take like eight people, right? On the plane that I was going to charter. Well, a G550 holds 18 people, okay? So hear me out maybe it's worth it. I don't know. There are currently 61 G550s for sale. Um, and the average price for those is, which is what we're taking is 20 million. So it's $20 million to buy it. So, and for the sake of this, we're going to break, we're going to put this out over 10 years. Okay. So, cause of course our first year, we're just going to pay for it in cash. Cause we're not messing with, we're not messing with financing. It's 20 million. We can handle this. So you buy a $20 million jet, it's going to be over 10 years. So that's uh, a cost of, what is is that? Uh, it's two million dollars a year for yeah. the jet. Okay, and then, as I said before, there are unspoken costs—costs costs that you have to pay if you own a jet. Costs like the hangar fee, which I read was for a G five hundred and fifty, we're talking like two hundred fifty plus thousand a year to just to park it. Um, fuel costs, which is that's going to be dependent upon your flying. So for us, right. we're talking forty five hundred dollars an hour for. 20 hours or 30 hours the the people right the the crew which is from what again this is ballpark numbers because i think they're kind of on call because they're expected to just go whenever i think it's minimum a million dollars a year for a crew and that's two captains two pilots Uh, and so we're talking purchase all the costs it's it's roughly 22 million dollars your first year and four million a year after that okay that seems steep Mm-hmm. I understand that. So we're talking for 40, so twenty two, sixty What is that? It's like 6 point something million a year if you break it down over 10 years. Okay? Yes. But that gets us to Vegas and to Glasgow. Right, right? what about the rest of our year? And yeah. with, with 17 of our closest friends and family. Okay. Okay? Yeah. yeah. So it is $4 million a year. I understand that. But it's a good time for a lot of people.
0: I don't know. Right? I like the idea of splurging on this private jet but still keeping like the $50
1: yeah, no, 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 you can't spend... Hey, when we get there, guys, we're going to the Super 8. You understand me? You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, no. We're not upgrading none of that stuff. We're taking, this, we're taking a fancy way there. So, I mean, if you, t- if you put it that way, when you, break, when you make everyone pay their portion, it doesn't seem like a bad group investment to me. Yeah. So, let's break this down. Let me answer the actual question we started with. How much money do I need to make to fly private? Well, we're going to start low. How much money do I need to make to fly economy on my two vacations a year? This is what I fly normally, like I said. It's actually crazy how cheap it is. Uh, Ten percent of our ten percent of our total income in a year can go towards leisure travel. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You need to make eighty five hundred dollars a year. We're dangerously close to like high school side job (laughs) money. Yeah. So if you're a single high school kid who because think about how much it costs to pay someone to mow your lawn and power wash your house these days. Yeah. It's up there. It's up there, so I'm thinking it's dangerously close if you are a single a single sixteen plus year old who's motivated, you can go on two vacations a year, one of them overseas if you only make eighty five k a year and you cannot be irresponsible with your money. that gives you more money that is inspiring it is inspiring. it really is let's keep moving up, so let's go to business class. You need to make about sixty two thousand dollars a year to fly business class if you, all you're doing is going on those two vacations. And that's all your and those leisure? flights, yeah. yes. Okay, and, and I and I added in the like the cost for your hundred dollars a day, right? Sure, right. Sixty two k. That again, I'm saying, if it's a priority, that's not yeah. that bad. Yeah, that's not that bad. Let's keep moving up. Charter private jet. It gets steeper here. I understand that, but again, keep in mind you are allowed to take more people with you. You can make them split it with you. You would need to make roughly one and a half million dollars a year to charter a flight twice a year. However, with the people you're allowed to bring with you. It only makes it about a thousand more per person than business class to go to Vegas. Yeah, that's not. that It's bad. It, no, it's more. It's less than I thought it would be. It is still ridiculous. That means sure. you have to make one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a month. That's more than I make mm-hmm, personally. Same. So it's it's not really in cards for me. I don't think. But and then for the big for the big one, how much you got to make to really fly private to to fly in your own plane, private?
0: Okay, I want to guess. Okay. 42 million,
1: 40 million a year, Whoa, 40 million. I've actually got Yes, cooks. so basically two one week trips a year, you need approximately 40 million dollars a year for you to justify for you to live based on these numbers where you're still investing your 30%, you're still only spending 50% of your 40 million on your needs. Um so re- <laughs> so realistically, I don't know that these numbers, you know, I don't know that they work the same when you can get up to these numbers, Maybe right? Maybe not. <laughs> but 40 million a year. And uh You know, I was surprised. I was surprised in multiple ways when I did all this research. Number one, it costs a lot more than I thought it would to own a jet. So realizing that there are people that have enough money to make this like in some way feasible is kind of mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Like it's crazy the amount of money people must have. That's crazy. Um, But it's also crazy to think that like there's a world in which someday, if I save up for a long time, I could take a private jet to Vegas for a weekend for fun. And not like die over that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's pretty crazy. And so, to answer the question, how much do you need to make if you want to fly private? Uh, the answer is a lot of money. Uh, more money than most people. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say more money than any of us have who are listening to this. Um, and if I happen to be wrong, uh, please let us know. And we can open up a donation for free to support the show. Thank go you so much fund for us. us. <laughs>
0: thought about what you want done with your body when you die? Yes. And what what do you want to do?
1: I don't know how it works. I I don't really care too much whether I'm cremated or I'm I don't have much of a of an opinion on that. I want a bench. Oh wow, yeah. I want to be I want to be I, whether that's whether that's my ashes are made into a bench, whether that's I have a bench memorial stone, but I just I think that I really love sitting outside on a bench in the shade reading a book, and I would love it if people could enjoy me that way forever.
0: Wow, that's beautiful. I was down in Hocking Hills a couple of years ago, and like I sat down on a bench, and then I looked down at the bench, and there's my last name on a bench, which isn't that common. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I, I forget the exact relation, I mean, it was distant enough, but like, yeah, like that is a great way to make a very small impact in someone's life like not that I was touched by it but just like yeah it's it, it's a kind of cool thing that you know to keep giving in a way yeah that's right yeah so like obviously you know the I feel like the two main options most people pick are you know if you're buried in a casket or you're cremated yes and uh, I found a, a cremation urn size calculator on <laughs> <laughs> and I, I guess that I would make 13 cups worth of remains or as they call them in the business cremains <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, they called I thought it was a joke but no, cremains, cremated like remains. How many
1: 13 cups? 13 cups. It's based on your weight. I don't know whether that's incredibly surprising or or not. Like I don't yeah. know how much I thought it would be. I've seen urns before, so I you right. know it's not that much, but 13 cups does not seem like really that much.
0: Yeah, I don't know how well it compresses either. I sure. don't know if it's like a brown sugar situation where you can like pack it real tight. Probably not. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah, I feel like they're airy. Yeah. You could just blow. Yeah, so like w- when you're buried in the ground, one of the, the positives about that is you have like a neutral, we'll say mostly immovable location. There There is something nice to be able to say, like, let's go meet up at Grandpa's gravestone. Like, here mm-hmm. is a spot where we can all remember this person. Uh, and But then like with an urn, you have Grandpa with you in the living room, which can kind of be weird. And then I feel like it gets even weirder then is when you have... Like multiple kids divide up grandpa equally. Yeah. yeah. And then you go, you stay at an Airbnb and one third of grandpa is sitting on a shelf. <laughs> Cause that happened to me a few years ago. Like one of Amy's In friends. and an Airbnb. Yeah. Like one of Amy's friends was getting married and we split the Airbnb with like, uh, with another couple that we're friends with. And like when we're getting ready to go to bed after the wedding, like we see like a tiny little urn and there's like a picture of like the family with the, per- the person. So we knew like th- We could tell how many ways he was divided by (laughs) based on the picture.
1: I I can't. I know people like use their Airbnbs sometimes on their own outside of it being a rental. Yes. But that sounds like the actual worst piece of decoration for a rental. Yes.
0: Yeah. Like put it in your bedroom or. Something could happen to that. Yes.
1: Exactly. Like you obviously care about it a lot to keep like to keep it on display. You want that. You want that. Yeah. Like people like. Throw their shoes and stuff in those rentals, you know what I, I mean? know exactly, like that's crazy, I feel
0: like that's like a plot point in enough like comedy movies that yeah. are getting spilled that you just you wouldn't risk that no, yeah, so like we're recovering the the obvious ones here, but like there are obviously some some different stranger ways that you can have your, your remains, uh and like you know one of them is like you can donate your body to science. Uh, when my sister Jenna was in college, she, she went to school to be a nurse. I remember her coming home one weekend and saying that she wanted to donate her body to science when she died. And I have no idea if she still thinks that way. So, uh, Jenna, if you're listening, 20 years later, do you still want your body donated to science or have you changed your mind? (laughs) I do not know. Um, I have a feeling though, that she probably does not want that anymore. That, it seems like a thing that when you're 20 and you're learning how to be a nurse, you might think is cool. And then, you know, now you're in your 40s, and maybe you don't think that.
1: Because I've heard that, like you're like if that ha- if you do that, they do yeah. whatever. Oh yeah, which is again, I mean, there's so many opinions. It's like you're dead, so it is what it is. But it's like if you think about it when you're alive, that's what's weird, you know?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, one of the ones that I thought that it's kind of like it's kind of poetic in a way, kind of like what you're saying with the bench is. Have you seen like the trees, like where like you grow a tree and then you have like a little sack where they put your I body have, i have heard of it. and that. then in theory you fertilize the tree as you decompose i guess like in a way that like you know it's kind of gross but it also i think it, you know if it's done right i think it could be pretty cool yeah it is uh, cool so like i haven't personally decided what i want to have done with my body and hopefully i have you know plenty of time to think about that uh but so far like i've been more into coming up with what would be like a fun will i want like the the funniest but legally airtight will i could possibly get so, like, I would love nothing more than, like, my middle-aged children gather around after the funeral. They're reading the will. They see, like, who gets what and so on and whatever. And then they flip over to the back and there's just, like, a treasure map. <laughs> and, like, they, you know, in this scenario that, like, they, they've they had their differences and they've been arguing. But, like, they come together to solve this problem that only works if all of them work together and they can get all of their, they can get their inheritance and it somehow ends up like they're digging 10 feet into the ground. <laughs> somewhere. But I'm also worried it will turn into some sort of like winner take all and then yes. it'll ruin it. So like I'm, I'm still workshopping this. It needs some work. I haven't talked to a lawyer yet. Uh, but, uh, you know, if that idea falls apart, I could always just pull a code grandma. Code grandma? Yeah. What do you think code grandma
1: is? Code grandma. I have no idea.
0: Code grandma is when someone scatters their loved one's ashes
1: at Disney World. (laughs) That's called code grandma. I know people do that. Like I've heard of that before.
0: Yeah. So it's the, the name started as an inside joke between some employees at one of the Disney parks. uh, And I think corporate eventually got word of it and decided to rebrand it as code A, which I think is a little bit more boring. A standing for ashes. (laughs) Uh, But because it's more fun, I'm going to be referring to it as Code Grandma. That is is way more fun. Yeah. How would you describe your relationship with the Disney theme parks?
1: I have never been to one. Uh, I don't have a desire to go to one, but it's not because... It's mostly due to the fact that I'm pretty cheap, and there are a lot of things I'd rather do that cost less money than that, if that makes sense. I'm sure that... I know they're amazing. Like I know what they do is like second to none. I just don't know if it's my thing or not.
0: Yeah, same here. And like I'm I'm not it's not like I'm never willing to go back. I went when I was one or two years old. I went as a teenager. Uh like it's not real I, I don't hate it, but it's not something on top of my list. There are a lot of other places I would like to go and see in the world before maybe I, I go back to one of the Disney parks. Um so like, you know, Disney uh, has been around long enough now, though, that since they opened you know, several decades ago, there are people who have been fans of Disney for so long that now they are old and now they're all starting to die. And, like, you know, basically they love the idea of this park so much that they want to become part of the park. Uh, so then when, you know, when they die, they send their children on, like, a covert mission to get these ashes into the park and spread them somewhere without getting caught.
1: So this is not a thing that is, like, Disney approved.
0: No, this is
1: not approved by Disney. Okay. And uh, yeah, they are they are actively trying to stop you. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. I, again, one thing I know about Disney. This is so unrelated; it's almost funny. But like. The one thing I know about Disney, I watch a lot of fishing on YouTube. We talked about me watching YouTube. And, like, there are apparently a bunch of ponds all over Disney that have huge fish in them. Oh. And, like, all these fishing guys will, like, sneak in and fish. (laughs) And, like, in seconds, there will be security on a golf cart and be like, don't fish here. Don't fish here. You have to leave. Don't fish here. And it's, like, it's crazy. So they're pretty strict with stuff. I mean, again, I'm sure that's how they keep such a great, family-friendly, amazing place to be. But it's just, you know, it it, it didn't sound like something they would be okay with. And I'm glad to know that they're they're not. That makes it even more interesting. For sure. So like
0: the, the first challenge with with executing a code grandma is getting the remains into the park. Uh, so a lot of people, they will use like a pill bottle or like a makeup compact. That one especially works well because you're expecting there to be some sort of powdery substance in there. Uh, so they'll use that to try to bring it in. Like if you just bring like a Ziploc baggie full of like something and try to say it's protein powder, like you're not going to get away with that. Like they're, they're going to just confiscate it at the door. So you have to find the right way to smuggle it in. Um, and then like, you know, the second thing though, is you got into the park. Where are you going to spread it? Yeah, and there are a lot of options. Uh, and um, there are people will sometimes will dump them in a flower bed, uh, like the lawn at Magic Kingdom is one. Uh, during firework shows when everything is kind of dark and people are distracted, like you have a lot a lot more options when people can't really see what's going on as well. and they're all you're all looking at the sky. They're not looking around. um and I, I've also heard of people who will put them into the moat under the flying dumbo ride. Huh. Uh, but the most common strategy, is to dump them during the haunted mansion ride. I was,
1: I, I, my mind, I was like, I hope it's off of like when riding a ride. I yes. think this, that seems like the most liberating way.
0: Absolutely. And it's dark. So like, you know, the hope is that no one's going to see you do it. Mm-hmm. it it's somewhat like, it's appropriate for, not that it's appropriate to do this, but at least it's about like spooky things right. when you're doing it. So at least, you know, it matches up in that way. Uh, but because they know that this is a popular spot the success rate at Haunted Mansion is very low. Huh. Uh so first of all a lot of the rides they have cameras a lot of different rides as well they have like pressure sensors so as soon as they can tell that like someone is step, stepping off of the ride you're going like they're going to know so you have to be very like inconspicuous to well, to do anything out of the nor- out of the norm on one of these rides. Uh so then the 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 biggest challenge with the Haunted Mansion is that uh, there are a lot of like visual trickery and smoke and mirrors kind of things that make the ride work. That if you are not prepared for it, it is going to completely mess things up and have unintended consequences. So uh, I've never been on the Haunted Mansion ride myself. Uh, but uh, I guess when you get to one of the like the second story of the mansion or one of the higher floors, there is like a famous ballroom scene. And I know they, redid, they remade the movie recently. And I know that this is like a very, this is a thing associated with the Haunted Mansion where there's like some sort of ghosts and they're dancing in a ballroom and you're looking down on them. And the way they accomplish this is they have like clear glass panes and they project the ghosts onto the panes. So okay. that way, like if you walked down to the bottom floor, that they don't have to have... Something projected down there. So really, like, it just, as you're going by, it looks like there's something below you. Uh, So last summer, a family decided that they were going to toss the ashes off the balcony. And then it hit the glass and it bounced and exploded back everywhere onto several people on the ride. People are just like screaming. They have to turn. They have to stop the ride and get all of this dead guy's ashes <laughs> awful. off of several people. Uh, but like, yeah, this is, you know, Co. Grandma is not a one-time event either. I have heard, so I've like, d- a lot of people on Reddit who have previously worked at the parks uh, like will talk about some of their experiences and like, one guy is saying it was maybe once a month that they dealt with it. Wow. Uh, I found a guy who was saying it was weekly. So I don't know if these are different like departments uh-huh. uh, or different parks or this is a disney world versus disney sure. but like every single time that this happens and someone is caught they have to call a hazmat team in to get rid of it really yeah just because it's like a human substance sure. and they don't want to deal with that uh but how how do they know that they're human remains like what if you know if i just said like oh these are i don't know this is a i burnt up i don't know something else like how did it, the way they know that it is human remains is that I guess cremated human remains glow purple when you shine a black light no, on them. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, but like, you have to wonder the circumstances where someone discovered
1: that. Yeah, I wonder why. I'm sure there's a science answer, but I that's interesting.
0: Yeah, there is a science answer, and I don't remember what it is. But like, I do know that it is a like a proven thing. That huh. yeah. So there are allegedly some Disney adults who have successfully gotten grandma into the park and spread. So like, you know, Disney is not they are—it It is not foolproof. They are not able to stop everyone. And of course, like how could they, uh, and then, you know, some of them just chalk it up to good luck. Other people just, you know, it's right. You know, right place at the right time. Uh, but like the, the going theory though, is that, you know, no matter where you dump the remains, eventually they're going to get removed. Someone is going to sweep the ground, not knowing it's there. Or if you like, you're dumping it in water, they like every once in a while they drain the water in the ponds. You know, sure. maybe it's maybe you get to stay in the park for a year or so. Uh, but there is one Reddit user who used to work at Disney who says that they have kind of a hack for how to get your remains in for a longer amount of time. I guess on Haunted Mansion Ride, there is a hollowed out book that, like, if you ask a cast member to put like a memento of a loved one in for like lore reasons, they might like they are probably willing to let you do this and like put maybe maybe you have like a locket and then you just fill the locket with grandma's ashes (laughs) and then they will put it in this book and sometimes i think they will even repurpose them in different parts like as decor or they'll just keep it or maybe it's even hidden away in the book it sounds like that i think it's more for like a picture or something but like if you got it small enough i think you could like that is the way that you could accomplish that goal get her in there for a long time and know that like you know you don't have to deal with the guilt of I didn't fulfill grandma's last wishes. And and that brings me to a public service announcement for anyone out there who may have been cursed with this situation in the future. I have not, and I'm grateful that I have not had to deal with it. But like, I've heard of plenty of people who they say like, they're, my parents want me to do this when they die. And like, I don't know what to do. I don't want to get, I don't want to go to jail. (laughs) So if you at home are looking to pull a code grandma at a Disney theme park, Maybe just bring some of her ashes to spread. You don't have to bring all 13 cups. Just, like, get the smallest amount you can. Maybe get it, like, fashioned into a pill or something. And you can feel good about, you know, fulfilling her last wishes. And she's not going to know the difference. Thank you for listening. Factoid Podcast. If you have a factoid and want to share it with us, as always, just send us an email at whatsyours at
1: factoidpodcast.com. And you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts or on our website, factoidpodcast.com. We'll see you in two weeks.